Uh, before I get started on the message this morning, just, just I want to echo baptism. Baptism is next week. Baptism is one of my favorite things to do. It is next week, right? Okay, it's next week. I, I like, I, I'm telling you, there are few things I enjoy more than, let, than being with someone when they go public in their profession of faith. Baptism is not some kind of weird, hokey ritual or rite. Uh, it's simply going public in your relationship with Jesus. It's a way of, of, of being cleansed, um, not just naturally, but spiritually. It's, it's really fun. We'd love for you to be a part. If you've never been baptized, water baptized, since coming to Christ, next week we're going to have a huge baptism pool right here in the middle up front. And in between first and second service, uh, we're going to baptize people. So if you come to first service... We want you to stay late, a little bit late, and cheer for those that are getting baptized. If you plan on going to second service next week, we want you to come a little early and cheer for those that are getting baptized. So, but we need, if you're waiting to the last minute to sign up, this is it. So uh, go ahead and sign up and let us know that you want to be water baptized. Cool? Sweet. So we're continuing our series, What Do You Want From Me? What do you want from me? And, um, you know... Sometimes we get a little confused on what God wants. Uh, I mentioned this last week that a lot of the discipleship and training in in churches are are training people to be full-time ministers. When in reality, that's not what God's calling them to be. God's calling them to, to be who they're called to be, love their family, train their kids, be honorable in their job. He's not necessarily calling them to be full-time ministers. He's calling them to be ministers wherever they go. Okay, And so a lot of times people get a little disenfranchised when they start going deeper in the things of God because they feel like, well, I'm not doing enough. I don't have my ministry business card to hand to someone. Um, there's an interesting verse. You can just write this down. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And uh, he's kind of giving just general instructions, Paul is, to the people. He's saying, look, you need to act right. You need to... And then he says something interesting. He says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. Working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Wow, that doesn't sound like make it your goal to be on TV. Make it your goal to write half a dozen books on the kingdom. Hey, if God's called you to write books, write them. If God's called you to be on TV, be on TV, right? But, but don't think that those things are the end goal for every believer. They're not. The end goal for every believer is to obey what God has for you. And for most people, that's going to be working, loving your family, plugging into a local body of believers and serving the community where God's planted you. So I just want to relieve the pressure a little bit. Take a big step back and say, what does God really want from us? I'm not talking about our vocation. I'm not talking about our job. What does God want from you? What does he want you to be like? And so we, we've looked at Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and we've asked the question, what does God want from us? And in verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what does the Lord require of you but three things, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Do justly, w- love mercy, and walk humbly. And so I've renamed these things for our culture. So the Lord wants you to do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. Those are the three things. That he wants you to be like. Are you an accountant? That's great. Are you a nurse? Are you a teacher? What, what are you? No matter what you are, do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. Are you married? If you're married, do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. If you're not married, do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. See, it doesn't matter. 
This is what God wants for you. Um, and so last week we talked about do the right thing. I encourage you, the CDs in the foyer, uh, it's on our podcast. Well, all of our uh, sermons, the video is on our website as well. And so I encourage you to, to watch or listen to that. So today we're going to be talking about number two, love mercy or don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. You guys, y'all are like, you aren't calling me a jerk, are you? No, but... If I'm being honest, if we can we can we be honest today? Is this the honest group? Okay. We have a tendency, we all have a tendency to be a jerk at times, don't we? We do. We do. No matter how hard we try, we have a tendency. You know, I like to think of myself as a pretty unprovocable guy, as a guy that gets along with everyone, but every once in a while, um, I can be a little bit of a jerk. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I hate to tell you this story. Y'all, y'all love me, even if I tell you a story about me being a jerk, right? Okay. I'm in this waiting room. It had been a long day. I'm in this waiting room, and I, I finally get a chance to just sit down, relax, clear my head, pull out my phone, and start playing the phone games, words with friends, right, stuff like that, chess, although everyone's beating my pants off at chess. It's no fun anymore. So I'm sitting there playing games. It's quiet. There's some other people in the room, and we're, like, nodding at each other, like, yeah, this is nice. And then the door opens, and before I can see anyone, I can hear this little girl. She's probably around five or six years old with her mom. And she's coming in. She's like, she walks in just so loud. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So she's walking in, making all this racket. The mom sits down and opens up a book. And the daughter starts literally just running around the room screaming. Like, like just, no, no, no. And she's walking up to people in the waiting room, and she's like, look at my shoes. You like my shoes? That's my shoe. And they're like, yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, it was just like, we're, we're all looking at the mom like, are you going to do something with that? You know, like, what's going on? And so, so I'm like, okay, this is a chance for me not to be a jerk. And, and so uh, she's t- talking to people, and, and uh, the mom says, okay, okay, little Susie, I don't know her name, okay, little Susie, come back here. And she goes, no! And we're like, what? You know, what is going on here? This is crazy. And so, and her mom's reaction is like, she gets it from her dad. Like, <laughs> not funny. Not funny. It's not funny. This is not funny. This is, this is crazy. Literally running down halls, okay? So I'm sitting there on this love sofa. There's two seats. I'm on one side. And so she starts to come in my direction. I'm like, oh, dear, dear Lord, please. I'm playing on my phone, looking down. Just ignore her. She'll go away. She starts, look at my shoes. You know, she's doing all that stuff. She hops up on the sofa, and the mom says, now, don't bother the nice man. And I'm thinking, too late, right? Too late for that, sweetheart. And so I'm just ignoring her. She's on the sofa. She's jumping on the sofa. There's a window behind us. She starts, like, knocking on the window. And I'm, like, losing it, you guys. I'm like, this, I, I can't handle this. And so finally, the, the, the mother gets this. She says, don't bother the nice man. And I look up, and I look at the mother. And I say, oh, I'm not nice. <laughs> she gets this look on her face. And in my head, I'm thinking, that was brilliant. <laughs> the daughter's like walking off the sofa now. Everyone, <laughs> I'm like, it worked. And then the Holy Spirit inside of me is like, you're being a jerk. 
So I say, I'm just kidding. Little Susie, I love your shoes. Yeah, they're my shoes, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they're great. You know, so they know I'm not, you know, a weirdo. I was kind of a jerk in that moment. Oh, I'm not nice. It's kind of a jerk. We can all be jerks, right? All of us can. The scripture says to love mercy. Uh, to love mercy. Now think about those two words. Love serves someone else. Mercy overlooks an offense. So when you love mercy, you are serving others by overlooking their offense. We love mercy when we just give people a break. When we just give each other a break. See, jerks don't do this. Jerks don't give anyone a break when they're having a bad day. Jerks hold, them, uh, hold you accountable to a standard that they don't hold themselves to. Right? Look, you may be thinking, you know, why are we talking about being a jerk in church Sunday morning? Why aren't we talking about, you know, Jesus and the kingdom? Look, this is the kingdom. This matters to God. There is a whole lot of, the same Bible that says that Jesus is the son of God is the same Bible that says don't be a jerk. It's both scripture. And you can't, you can't do one and reject the other. You can't live one, proclaim one. How dare we memorize scripture after scripture and then treat other people poorly? It's the same word. It's the same kingdom. So we need to learn how to not be a jerk. So I want us to shirk the jerk. There's a jerk inside of all of us. And we've got to shirk that tendency. We've got to shirk the jerk in our own lives. Let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts. So how to keep from being a jerk? I'm going to give you three reasons. Three reasons. Three ways. Three ways to stop from being a jerk. Number one, change your perspective. Change your perspective. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says something interesting. Paul says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. The New King James Version says, um, according to the flesh. We've stopped evaluating others according to the flesh or from a human point of view. Guys, people are so much more than what you can see. Every single human you come in contact with, this applies to you as well, you are a three-part being. You are body, soul, and spirit. Now, what you immediately see is the person's flesh, is their body. But that body is temporary. These bodies are our earth suits. They are developed and designed to serve us for a certain finite amount of time while we're here on earth. They're not our final bodies that we'll get, according to scripture, but they are our earth suit for right now. And it's not an accurate depiction of the person that you're dealing with. It's just their earth suit. It's just their mortal coil, their mortal clothing. Okay? So we... People are so much more than what you can see, and people are hurting. There's a quote, it's been attributed to like 18 different people. I don't know if anyone really knows who said it, but it says this. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Everyone, the lady that cuts you off on traffic, in traffic while you're driving, like you don't know that she may have just come from the bank and realized someone else emptied her checking account. I mean, the, the person's students, the person at school that's always being a jerk to you and always being mean to you, you don't know that, that, their, that their, their family life is terrible. They're constantly getting yelled at and picked on, and they're just doing what they've learned at home. It doesn't excuse it, but it explains it. And we've got to adjust our perspective, change 
our perspective. Imagine, just for a minute, you're standing in the line uh, at the grocery store. You're ready to check out. And there's a lady in front of you. And you, like me, thought you could handle everything without getting a, a buggy or, a, or one of those little baskets. So you're, hand, you're doing this, right? And there's ice cream and it's cold, but whatever, I'm a man. And so you inadvertently, something falls out of your hands and, and falls, and it rolls up in front of you, kind of, kind of right next to and behind the, the lady in front of you. And you say, hey, could you help me out real quick? And she just ignores you. I don't know about you, but my first reaction would be, wow, what a jerk. <laughs> Come on, help me out. Excuse me, lady, miss, can you, do you mind grabbing that for me? Nothing. But then what if it's her turn? All of a sudden she walks forward and she starts to pay and she starts signing. And you realize that she's deaf. That changes your perspective, doesn't it? She wasn't being a jerk. She just didn't hear you. And so we've got to learn to change our perspective when it comes to other people, when it comes to other people. Look, we love mercy. We love mercy by not assuming the worst about others. And it's not natural for you and I. It's something that we have to learn how to do. So the first way we avoid being a jerk is change your perspective. The next one is this, change your attitude change your attitude. We're going to read a passage of scripture here, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So here we're changing our attitude to Jesus's. And here it is. Verse 6, though he was God, he didn't think equality with God as something to cling to. So he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is the attitude we are supposed to have. It's the attitude of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, it's interesting. It says, um, verse 3, it says, thinking of others as better than yourself. It doesn't say that other people are better than you, does it? No, it says you act like they're better for you. Why? For their own sake. What what, what does that mean? I'll give you a good example. Uh, Have you... (laughs) have you ever been in like a nice restaurant and you're like trying to decide between the, you know, what to order and the, and the waiter and you say, well, I'll have the steak. And the waiter goes, excellent choice. I mean, <laughs> what is that? It's like, you know, I may have made terrible choices, destroyed my life, but I can choose a steak. Thank you, sir. I've made an excellent choice here. Yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that customer service. If you've ever been in like a really nice hotel and they just treat you like a king, you know, do they think you're better than them? No, but they're serving you in such a way that it makes you feel that way. You with me? Chick-fil-A. Come on. Chick-fil-A. I go to Chick-fil-A, I feel like a king, right? They're like, my pleasure. I'm like, wow, sweet. I just ordered chicken. That's awesome. But they're... <laughs> But they're like, wow, yes, how can I serve you, right? They make you feel so great. This is that, this is that concept, right? This is that concept of, of, 
of, of treating people as if they were. They're not better than you. We're all equal. But treating them as if they were better than you. We've got to change our attitude toward people. The value of a person isn't determined by the mistakes they've made. The value of a person is determined by what Jesus says about them. And Jesus said they're worthy of my blood. They're worthy of me dying for them. So we've got to change our attitude, and we've got to adopt the attitude of Jesus. As we keep reading, it says, it says you must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Even though he was God, he didn't think that he should remain equal in that equal standing, and he lowered himself. He lowered himself. He humbled himself in obedience. That's our, that's our attitude change. We humble ourselves toward obedience. Okay? And so we've got to change our attitude. Thirdly, we change our perspective, we change our attitude, and then we change our words. We change our words. Um, you know, many times the line between jerk and non-jerk is by what we say. We all have thoughts, right? We all have thoughts, but, but we are, I heard someone say recently, and it just really, it was not in a, in a spiritual context at all, but they said, you are a thought machine. It's like your brain's job is to generate thoughts all the time, and it's true. You have a ton of thoughts all the time, all right? But it's your job to take those thoughts captive and determine which ones are of God and which ones are not of God just because you have a thought. Now, listen to this. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's a thought, You have to compare that thought to the word of God. You have to allow the Holy Spirit access to that thought and let you know that's not me or, yes, that is me. And then our thoughts then inform our words. So our words come from our thoughts. You won't have to watch your words as much if you'll watch your thoughts. Okay? So let's look at a couple scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start at verse 30. It says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. The New King James says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Okay. What's he saying? He's like, okay, you can hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Did you know that? That's what the word grieve means. You can make the Holy Spirit sad. Did you know that? Through your actions. Now, I haven't finished the passage yet. I would think personally when it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And he's about to tell us one of the main things, major ways we grieve the Holy Spirit, that we make Holy Spirit sad. I would think, just me, I think he would like talk about murder. He'd probably talk about sexual sin. You know, he's going to be talking about all these things that we know. Oh, yeah, that's, those are the big ones. And they are. Those things are all sin. But it's interesting where he goes with this. He says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Skip to verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And isn't that interesting? So when, when he's giving examples, he could have picked from anything that was wrong. And there's a lot that's wrong. He could have picked from any of that. Instead, what he chose to focus on here is our words. What we say, 
We've got to learn to change our words. And then he, said, he keeps going, verse 32, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Be kind. Be kind. Tenderhearted. That word tenderhearted in the Greek, this is weird. It literally means having strong bowels. And you're like, what does that mean? Okay, what, This is what they're talking about. Have you ever heard... Like of something happening to someone and you just feel it in here and you say, oh, that hurts my heart. Have you ever heard that? Okay, that's what they're talking about. They didn't think bowels like digestive system. They thought your, your insides. Okay, so that's what that means. Be tenderhearted, tenderhearted. So you identify with what other people are going through, right? So that's how we're supposed to be. Not full of rage and anger and harsh words and slander, lying about other people, Right? That's not what we're supposed to do. We've got to change our words because your words are what make you from a potential jerk to a jerk when you say it. All right? Uh, James 1.26, there's so much in Scripture about how we use our words. I mean, we could spend, I could, we have done, we've, we've done entire series on words before here at this church. Um, we probably should do it again. But this is just a verse. I was praying about it. This is the one I felt like we should look at. It says this. If you claim to be religious, okay, and don't let that word religious throw you off. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be on the right path spiritually, okay, but you don't control your tongue. No, that's not your literal tongue. It's talking about your words. You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless, Whoa, whoa. So all that you say, all that you tell others about Jesus, about how good God is to me, brother, sister, hallelujah, glory, all that kind of stuff. Everyone's feeling, I'm feeling extra religious today. Woo. But, but you, you treat others harshly with your words. You've just, you've just undid everything you said. We know this. If I, if I were to tell you guys, I'm a loving husband. I love my wife more than anyone ever loved. Shut up, honey. More than anyone loved anyone else ever. I just, like, you're like, that guy's full of it, right? Because I'm, 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 I'm proving the opposite through my words. Guys, listen. The way you use your words can nullify or verify your relationship with Jesus. The way you use your words will either nullify or verify that you know God. And you are in charge of your words. God has given you your mouth, your language to steward for his kingdom. This is why I love Facebook. I love social media. Because it helps me stay connected to you guys. Helps me see where you, when you're going on vacation, there are like a bajillion prom photos last night. I'm like, I don't care. You keep scrolling. It's great to stay connected with people, okay? But if you use your social media platform to tear others down or even to major on a minor kingdom instead of the kingdom, I, and this is sad. I know that there are people that don't go to this church anymore, not because of anything said in this pulpit, but because of what church members have said on social media about politics. 
Well, but I was right. Congratulations. Someone's soul may not be where you are for eternity. How do you feel about that? I encourage you, this is serious. This is serious. We, 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 this is serious to God. We have to change our words. That includes our written words. That includes our social media platform. Look, you've been given a platform with however many friends you have, whether it's 30 or 3,000. How many, how many followers on Twitter? How many, if you do social media, you've been given a platform to love, honor, and bless others. Use it for that. Seriously. Use it for that. If you want to talk politics, take someone to coffee and talk politics. That's great. I like, I'll talk it. I love it. It's fun to talk about. But, but not at the expense of the kingdom. Not at the expense of others' faith. It's just it's sad. Okay? So we want to change our perspective, change our attitude, and change our words. And here's my final question to you guys. Is, are you willing to shirk the jerk? You want to grow in loving, grow in learning, uh, loving mercy, learning how to love mercy. Again, it's it's in all of us. It's in me. It's in you. Are you willing? Are you willing to do what's necessary to love mercy? Think, think for just a second. This is just a moment. We're done. Y'all know I'm about to ask you to stand in a second. But before we do, is there someone? that you need to ask to forgive you? Is there someone in your life, family member, friend, coworker, that you need to ask to forgive you? Is there someone you've been a jerk to? It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just acted like a jerk. We all do. Is there someone that you need to ask forgiveness? Here's, here's something else. I was asked this once. Um, I, was, I was given this assignment. I'd like to give you this assignment uh, someone said, ask someone around you, pray about it, and ask someone around you this question. What's it like being on the other side of me? Now, now don't ask everyone, okay? And don't ask it unless you really want to know, because I'm telling you, you need to eat your Wheaties that day. But someone you love, someone that you trust, someone that's not going to take advantage of, of your vulnerability, ask them, what's it like being on the other side of me? And then listen. Don't defend yourself. Listen. Listen. And you'll learn some stuff. And that's how we love mercy. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.